Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. I wanted to start off kind of sitting down, because this has been one of the most difficult sermon prep weeks of my life. It was great. It was horrible. It was wonderful. It was terrible. Uh, I feel like this time of preparation has kicked my butt like no other sermon prep time has. Every time I thought I was done and complete, it seemed like God just rearranged, not not the gist of it, just everything that was attached to it, every, every thought process, everything I was feeling, everything that I was personally going through trying to birth this thing. It was amazing and wonderful and, like I said, awful all at the same time. Last night, it kept me awake, just thinking about how, how to deliver this message in a way that would honor Father. And that's always the thing. We want to honor the Father whenever we share our heart about anything. But I so want this to come across in the way that I feel like God wants it to come across. When we talk about wounds and we talk about scars, that's difficult enough. And then we bring the equation of sin into things. And things get all kinds of complicated. And there, there are certainly all kinds of wounds. And there are scars that men especially like to uh, tell the stories of how they got scars and because we take a certain kind of sick pride in how we got them. I used to be in a carpet installer, and one time I was demonstrating to a customer how sharp a carpet knife was and how to cut carpet safely. As I was telling him that, I managed to cut through the carpet and through my leg. The customer and my foreman nearly fainted on the spot, and they, they, were, they were both so weak, I had to drive myself to the emergency room because they just couldn't do it. So that's funny, and that's a story I like to tell, you know, because it brings a chuckle or, you know, and, and it, I, yes, it left a scar on my leg. And then there's the, the scars that are not as visible, but they come from wounds that are uh, not so funny. When I was six years old, I fooling around with my brothers, I, I, I broke my collarbone. And I had to wait all day long for my father to come home to take me to the hospital. And when he got home and my mother told him what happened, he turned to me and, and said, all you do is cost me money. One story was, I caused it. Another story, someone else caused it. One was an accident and one was sin. Both needed healing. And it's important to realize just that fact alone, that our wounds need healing. So there's no comfortable way to talk about sin this morning. But that's a good thing. But there's a way to talk about sin that brings life, that that encourages us, that changes the way we think. And I believe this is what this part of the message is all about. And I know that 30 minutes is just not long enough to, to, to start to talk about wounds and, and how they're connected to sin sometimes. The 30 minutes is not going to cover it, so this is probably going to be a two-parter at the very least. Because I want to make sure that we, we cover this in a way that it does encourage us, that does bring hope, that does bring life into the situation. And I, and I believe the scriptures do that for us. I just got an extra five minutes because I did turn the timer on. So... I also realize that as we go into talking about wounds, and that it 
could get difficult to sit here and listen to that. That sometimes wounds require professional help. They do. Emotional, relational, psychological, mental, those kind of wounds. They Sometimes they just need professional help, just like a physical wound would. You need to go to the doctor. You need to get treated. You need to maybe to go to some kind of rehab in order to, to get better. So sometimes you just need professional help, and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with getting professional help for those kind of wounds that are not so visible. I understand that today. Sin might be a cause, but it's not always the only one. And if we never sin again, highly unlikely, but I believe the scripture says it's possible. We'll get into that in a minute. Even if we never sin again, we are still affected by the sins of others. By the sin that we wade through just by living on this planet. And I think if we uh, consider the book of Job, we learn from Job that it is not good to blame people for the physical or, or mental or spiritual trauma that they're walking through. So this is a no-guilt zone this morning. Okay? This is, we're we're going to dive into some, some really deep things and, and, and some things that might you know, make us uncomfortable. But I, I will try to do this with as much gentleness and as much compassion and as much Holy Spirit in me that I can so that we fully understand what God is after this morning. I feel like we really need to talk about sin at this, at this juncture of this series because sin's a monster, the expert wound maker of our lives. Again, we can't escape being wounded in this planet just by walking around in it. It separates us. It separates us from God, from his purpose, from his plan, from his heart. It's why we need a Messiah. It's why we need a Redeemer. It's why we need Jesus in order to bring that freedom back into us. This is the first proclamation of the day. If you could remember this throughout the whole series and just repeat this to yourself. Sin wounds, but God heals. It's important to remember that. I have another proclamation that I want to give you right after we pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you again for your provision of salvation, of redemption, of restoration, of transformation, and the beautiful commitment that you have towards us to make us whole, to make us like your son Jesus. Grateful for that this morning. I pray as we go through today that your words again are the only words that are spoken this morning. And that everything that is from me will just be forgotten. That we only hear your voice, your words, your heart, your purpose in all that we hear this morning. And I need you, Holy Spirit, to help me do that. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here's a, here's a big proclamation. This is the next one that I really want you to deliver. And I'm going to ask you to, I don't usually do this, I'm going to ask you to repeat this after me. Okay? Because this is, this is really, really, really important for you to remember. Are you ready? Okay, so I want you to say, I am not a dirty, rotten sinner. One more time, I am not a dirty, rotten sinner. 
just take a moment and let that settle in. Because that is the truth. If we have come to Jesus, we have confessed our sins, we have repented, and we have accepted Him as Lord and Savior of our lives, this is true. We are not dirty, rotten sinners anymore. I hate that term. And I, I don't like people to use it when, when, when they're sons and daughters of the Most High God. I think it demeans what Christ did for us. 1 John 2.1 says this, I am writing this to you, my children, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf, Jesus Christ. So we are redeemed sons and daughters of the Most High God who sometimes commit sin. Sometimes make a bad choice. Sometimes make a bad decision. We sometimes sin because we still need a Messiah. We still need someone that lovingly corrects us, helps us to repent, and then forgives us. That's what that scripture really means there. So you're not a dirty, rotten sinner. You ready for the next proclamation? This is what you are. Ready? You are hidden in Christ. A son and daughter saved by grace. Do you believe that? See, that's what you are. That's who you are. And so this whole mind frame of being a dirty, rotten sinner, uh, I, I need you to try your best to get rid of that thought. Because you are hidden in Christ. You're a son and daughter saved by grace. Because we are sons and daughters, because we're hidden in Christ, we can deal with sin in a bold and mature manner. See, this is, this is why we can deal with sin now in, in a way that, that we couldn't before Christ. But since we're hidden in Christ, sons and daughters deal maturely with their sin. Because we're free. And see, this is the one, the most beautiful thing I think about freedom is, because we're free, we can see other areas where we need more freedom that we couldn't see before. The freer we get, the more we see the areas of our life that need to be freed yet. When you see the areas of your life that are still not free, you don't shy away from them. You go after it. You go after it like a dog on a scent. You go after that thing to hunt that thing down to get rid of it because you're not afraid of it. You just want to be free from it. See, that's that's the, the wonderful thing about freedom. Dealing with sin is not a fear thing. It's a faith thing. It's not a fear thing. It's a faith thing because we trust in God. See, if we're trying to hide sin, if we're trying to avoid the certain areas of our life that need some work, that need some forgiveness, that need some restoration... We're not trusting God. Because God promises to forgive our sin. To help us deal with it. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to John chapter 5 real quick. Gospel of John. It's a story about woundedness. And it's a story about dealing with sin. And it's a story about freedom. One man was there who had been an invalid for 
38 years. And Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been there for a long time. He said to him, one of the greatest questions in the world, do you want to be healed? Word, Greek word for want here means to choose or to prefer. The, word, the Greek word for get means to arise, to appear on a stage, or to show up in history. Getting the picture of what Jesus is really asking here? The Greek word for well means to be whole, healed. Someone who does not leave the truth. So we could say that Jesus is asking, do you choose or prefer to be well? Are you going to show up for this? If Jesus senses something about this man's condition beside his paralyzed state. The sick man throws back a lot of excuses here. He says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm trying to get there, another steps in before me. Basically, I'm not quick enough and I'm not able. He's throwing Jesus some excuses back. I love Jesus' response. He doesn't even deal with the excuses. He gets right to the point. He says, get up, take your bed, and walk. Rise up. The word there for rise means to arouse, to wake up, to recall the dead to life. Take up means to move up, elevate, lift up, lift like an anchor and take it by force. The word walk there in the Greek means to to actually take steps, but it means to take steps with someone as if, if they were your companion. Because it's the Jewish mindset here. The Jewish mindset about walk it was much more than just talking about the steps you were taking. It was about the kind of life you were living. See, when you walked with someone, it was about your character. When you, when, when you talk about a person's walk, they were talking about the kind of life that that person was living. It had very little to do with actual shuffling the, of the feet from one place to another. It had to do with the way they walked through life. So, again, two simple statements, and Jesus is exploding this man's life. This man seems to understand what Jesus is saying, because there's no more excuses. He just gets up. He doesn't give Jesus any lip anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't give him any excuse. He just gets up. He's obedient. He doesn't argue with him. For 38 years, this man was a prisoner to his own body, his own woundedness, He had a choice to make. He could remain crippled or he could choose to get up. To take authority over his condition and walk. Jesus is saying, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? And the the kind of healing that he's talking about here is not just physical. It's spiritual. Jesus is saying that his sins are forgiven in in this phrase. So not only are you going to be not paralyzed physically, you're no longer going to be paralyzed spiritually. Here's another proclamation. You don't have to repeat this one, but I want you to know this. Because you know, one thing that Jesus, in the midst of this, you know, he said, do you want to be well? You know those, that Jesus didn't say, do you want to feel better? There's a lot of difference between do you want to feel better or do you want to be whole? It's not that Jesus didn't, wasn't concerned about the way this man felt being crippled. 
what it was like to lay there for 38 years without anyone helping him. Of course Jesus was concerned about that. But why waste time on the way he felt when Jesus could heal everything? So here's the next proclamation. Jesus doesn't make me feel better. He makes me better. Jesus doesn't make me feel better. He makes me better. He makes me a better son, a better daughter. Scars and all. He makes me free. He makes me mature. He makes me growing. And he helps me deal with my stuff. Sad, tragic, ugly fears and failures. Makes me deal with my stuff in a mature way. Let's go to verse 14 because there's there's something really, really powerful here. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, what I love about that at the very beginning there, Jesus was looking for him. Jesus sought him out. Now, it was customary that if you were healed, you went to the priest to, to, to show them that you, that you were healed. Now, this caused a great ruckus because it was on the Sabbath. And the, the Jewish religious leaders got all upset because you're not supposed to do that kind of thing on the Sabbath. They weren't happy that this man was no longer crippled because obviously they knew about him being crippled for 38 years too. And you would think maybe one of them might have helped him into the pool, but that's another story. But Jesus looked for him. Jesus went back to check on him. One, probably because he knew it was causing a ruckus. I think it was just out of compassion because of this next thing he says to him. First he says, see, you are well. Again, the same word means totally healed, physically, spiritually. He is forgiven. He is a new man. He's saying, see, you don't need that mat anymore. You don't need to lay down by that pool anymore. You have a new life. See, you are well. And then he says this. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Wow. That's heavy. Sin no more that nothing worse may be happening to you. You notice that Jesus didn't stop and wag his finger and say, Stop sinning or you're going to lose your healing doesn't say that. There's no condemnation in this thing. There is a sense that Jesus has noticed that there was a, there was a sin that caused this sickness. It doesn't come out and say what that, sick, that the sin was, but it's really implied in this, that sin no more means that there was, a, there was a sin involved in the fact that he was sick, paralyzed. I think this is a compassionate warning not to go back to that whatever lifestyle that he had that caused that sickness. Jesus obviously knows that he might wake up two weeks from now and say, stub his toe and say a bad Jewish curse word. That's not going to ruin his, his new healing. Jesus is not saying that. He's saying don't go back to a, an attitude of sin, a pattern of sin, a, way, a lifestyle. Never we're talking about a walk here. He said, don't go back to the way that you were walking even though you were paralyzed. It's something that caused this paralyzation. Don't go back to that. So that nothing worse. I don't know what's worse than being paralyzed. But this is a compassionate, because because the way Jesus started off this small part of this conversation, he said, see, 
you are well. See, I think there was condemnation to it. It would have been flipped. Hey, don't sin anymore or something bad's going to come at you. But look at you. You're well. See, that changes to me the dynamic of this conversation. Another part of the story that's interesting. There are going to be parts of your story, parts of your redemption story. There are going to be parts of people are going to look at some of your scars, some of your battle wounds, and it, they're not going to be happy with it. They're not going to be happy with your story. The Jewish leaders were not happy with this man's story for a, for a lot of reasons. There's going to be parts of your story that are going to rub people the wrong way. My encouragement to you is to, to tell it anyway. Talk about the Jesus in your story. It says here, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. See, at the beginning of this, he didn't tell the Jews that it was Jesus. Some people say that that's actually the sin. I don't believe that because there's indication here that he didn't. He, Jesus disappeared before he knew who healed him. But the whole point of that is that there are going to be people that don't agree with your, your, your restoration story. It's going to rub them the wrong way. I encourage you to tell your story anyway and talk up Jesus in your story. Amen? Sin wounds, but Jesus heals.